Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. High five two people around you and say, we're better together. We're better together. We're better together. Today, I'm going to be concluding our vision series, our mini vision series. And really, to be honest with you, you need to pray for me because the message I'm going to be preaching today, I actually took a whole month to preach last year. So we're going to try and get it done in one week. But I love vision, absolutely love vision. Every time I think about vision, it just excites me. It just wells up because it reminds me of the opportunities and potentials that there are through God, that it's endless with God. I said that it's endless through God. And last week, we just briefly outlined our vision, life, love, and purpose. We looked at what vision is. What is vision? It's the direction. It's where we're going. And then we talked about culture is that which creates the atmosphere. When you came in here today, an atmosphere was created. Why? Because we planned it that way. We want people on doors. We want people to welcome you. We want people to be in this. Why? Because we want to create an atmosphere of love. That's something that's intentional. That's something that we're doing. Why? Because we've discovered this. We're better together. We're better together. But what else did we discover last week is this. We're not only better together, we're better together with purpose. Better together with purpose. And so what does that mean? We don't just aim at anything. Come on, we've got to aim at the right thing. I love what D.L. Moody says. Look at this statement. I think this is pretty powerful. He said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. It's pretty powerful right there. As a church, we don't want to fail, of course. But we don't also want to be successful at something that in the long run doesn't matter. We want to be successful in that which God has called us to do. So let me say it another way. Are you ready? We've got to make sure we've got our ladder leaning up on the right wall. We've got to make sure we're climbing the right wall and doing what God has called us to do. Because how sad would it be to climb and climb and climb and realize we're at the wrong destination? That we're doing the wrong thing that God has called us to do. And as a pastor here, here's one of my roles. I believe the role that we have as pastors is to define the vision, to set the course, to teach you the wall on which we are going to climb because we need to climb together, become one because we're better together. Here's something else I've realized about vision. Are you ready? Vision comes with a cost. Vision comes with a cost. There's a cost for pursuing vision and going after it. It can be involving great sacrifice to see the fulfillment take place. There can be many dark days before we see the sunlight appear. In fact, can I be honest with you today? I cannot remember the last time I preached a message on vision without being totally under attack. Just really realizing that the enemy is out to get and out to destroy. And even today when I stand and preach to you, come on, we've got heavy hearts right now. Our hearts are aching. 
for our family and needs that we have in our lives. But let me tell you something. Vision may be cost, but it's worth the price. I said it's worth the price because I stand before you today, maybe with a heavy heart, but I'm reminding myself today and I'm reminding you today that, come on, vision isn't just what we see naturally. Come on, it's what we're going to see supernaturally take place. In the natural, we may look and say, I don't know, but that's where the enemy wants us to see. Because the enemy wants us to quit and give up and go home. But come on, we're not giving up. We're not going home. Come on, we're pursuing and we're going further and deeper and higher in this. Why? Because that's what God has us and for us. The enemy doesn't want us to enter into the reality of what God has. But I'm telling you, God doesn't give us a vision to taunt us. God doesn't give us a vision to say, ha fooled you. God gives us a vision because it's our vision to pursue and to have. And we're going to go after it. Come on, say with me, we're going after it. Here's our vision scripture, every Proverbs 29 verse 18. The New King Jones Version says, without vision, without revelation, the people perish, perish, perish. Look what it says in the message. If people cannot see what God is doing, if there is no revelation, if there's no, we're going to climb this wall, if there's no direction, People are going to stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, when they come under vision, when they climb together, come on, they are most blessed. I like that thought, most blessed. As God has more blessings for His children than you can ever imagine. As we begin to build His house, His promises, come on, I'm going to take care of yours. Come on, God's going to take care of my house as I build His house. And today I want to talk... And take really the thought from last week, better together and together with purpose. I want to take that to the next level today. Because the title of my message today is this. Are you ready? Together, anything becomes possible. Together, anything becomes possible. That's the power of vision. In fact, man in the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 12, you can read it when you get home. They started to build a tower up to heaven. They said, we're going to touch God. We're, we're going to be like God. And God came down and looked at what they were doing. And you know what God says? Together as one, there is nothing that can be withheld from them. And what did God do? God confused their speech, their babble, their language. And they began to speak in different languages. And that was what started the languages of the world that we had. There was a confusion that came. But what did God say? When people are together, but they were together with the wrong thing. And now we can get together with the right thing. Amen. And that's why in the day of Pentecost, God came back and he gave us a together language. He gave us the language of the Holy Spirit that we can once again be together and through vision, anything It's possible. And we want you to connect. We want your family to be a part of the vision here at Encounter Church. So right now, we're going to take it part by part. We're going to break it down, each part, looking practically into the what, the why, and the how of our vision. So what is our vision? Here it is. Life starts through knowing Jesus. So what's the what, the why, the how? We're going to tell you in a moment. What do we realize? Love happens. What? As you find freedom in Christ. Well, what do we do for that? And, and how does that happen? Why? We're going to tell you in a few minutes. And then we believe purpose is revealed twofold right there. Number one, you discover your purpose, then you use it to make a difference in another life. We're going to show you the what, the why, and the how. So here's our vision, really. Are you ready? 
I want to break it down and just say it another way. Come on, we want to see lost people saved. That they would know God. Come on, we want to see saved people pastored. Come on, that they walk in freedom. We want to see pastored people trained. That's discovering their purpose. And then we want to see trained people mobilized to make a difference. So what's our goal? Lost, saved, pastored and trained. That's what we want to do here. Turn to Isaiah 43 verse 19. God says, for I'm about to do something new. I'm about to do something new in your life. Thank God for what he's already done, but he's not finished it yet. Come on, I said he's not finished doing it yet. Come on, say with me new. Come on, say with me new. Come on, God's got something new for your body. Anyone need some newness in your body? God's got something new for your finances. God's got something new for your family. God's got something new for your emotions. God's got something new for your spirituality. God wants to do something new, 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 new. And God says, do you not perceive it? One translation says, see what I have already begun. Do you not see it? Sometimes we don't. Come on, let's just be real. Sometimes we don't see it. We don't always see it. But just because I don't see it in the natural doesn't mean that something ain't happening in the spiritual. Come on, the Bible says I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. Faith is what? I may not have it yet, but I believe it is. And I'm going to go for it. Man, I'm preaching better than you're responding in the house today. God said, I've already begun it. And he said, I will make Away. I will make pathways in the wilderness. Come on. I will make streams in the wasteland. Come on. I'm creating, God says, rivers in places where they shouldn't be. In other words, can I help you with this? I better hold on to the pulpit or I'm going to take off in a minute. God is desiring to do something inside of you greater than you've ever experienced before. Oh, he's already started it. You may not realize it, but come on, those things can even come through that which is impossible. Against the odds that seem stacked against you. That which is no future and hope. Because God says, I'm going to make a roadway through a wilderness. God says, I'm going to create rivers in dry lands. Come on now. Come on. God don't say I'm going to take a dirt road and pave it. God don't say I'm going to take a spring and make it a bigger river. Come on. God says there may not be a road there yet. There may not be water there yet. But come on. Can you have the faith to believe me and trust me? Think about your life right now as a big canvas. Could you see a big picture right now? Could you see a big picture? Big canvas. If we were to draw a picture of wasteland or we were to draw a picture of a wilderness, what would it look like on the canvas? Not much. Come on, there's not much in a wilderness. Maybe a couple of trees and that's it. What's there in a wasteland? Not much. What I love about that is you think about it, you may think there's nothing in my life, but God has a blank canvas to begin to paint and build and fill in and do what you couldn't even imagine possible. Come on, he's painting, he's the master artist. You're his workmanship. God's doing a work in your life. And we truly believe that this scripture, Isaiah 43, 19, is a promise for us as a church. It's a promise for your families because you're part of this church. And we believe that this place will not only be a place where people can come, but where people are going to encounter God. 
And their lives are going to be completely changed. Come on, where life starts. Come on, say with me, life starts. Life starts. How does life start? Through knowing God. We want people to know God. So what do we do? Here's the what. Are you ready? We create weekend worship experiences that both the unchurched people and believers love to attend. We, 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 we must see, can I, can I just say this? We must see Sundays become a place where unchurched and believers love to attend. That's what we're creating. You may say, oh, we're going to be changing things. No, we're just doing what we're doing. That's what we're doing right now. We're doing that right now. Why? Because we can't fish in an aquarium. Fish in your aquarium, you're probably going to catch some fish, but they're already your fish. We've got to go out. Come on, I'm tired, of, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of fishing with a hook. Come on, we're going to throw some nets out. Come on, we're going to, we're going to throw some nets out. <laughs> and what happens with a net? Catches a whole lot more than a hook. And that's what we're going to do in this house. We need life-changing services to be the foundation of everything we do. Why is that? Because people don't have time to waste. If you're inviting someone to church for the first time, you don't want them to come and have their time wasted. You don't want them to come in here and have the praise and worship that's just junk, that the lights aren't on, that all the words aren't right. You don't want pastor to come up and say, man, guys, sorry, I forgot to prepare a message this week. I mean, uh, I guess we'll find something. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Amen. Here we go. Let's go. You ready? Turn. You don't want that, do you? Because everything, our whole focus for our whole week here at this church is not to counsel people. It's not to do this and that. Our whole focus every week is to prepare for Sundays. We want to prepare a service that God's Spirit can come and move. Come on, we must use our time to add value to people's lives, to give input to their lives, to give direction. Come on, we want to teach relevant messages that are going to help you change and live in the world that you're in. So why? Why? It's important that we know the why, because if we don't know the why, we're going to lose the way. We need to know why we do this. I'm going to give you three reasons. Are you ready? Number one, because it's biblical. Do I need to say any more? (laughs) It's biblical. That's the model that we choose to follow here, a biblical model. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. In other words, you need to be in church. Don't neglect church is what he's saying right there. But encourage one another. I felt that today, did you? Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. If there's ever a time greater for us to be in the house of God, I believe the greatest time is right now. I believe it's right now. For what reason? There's more discouragement than there's ever been before, but the time of his coming is closer than it's ever been before. You may say, well, when's he coming? I don't know, but it's soon. It's soon. It's soon. And I can't wait to be here. I, I, I love to be here and draw strength and encouragement from other people. Come on, you draw that, don't you? You just come through the door and, and you can feel that. By the time I leave here Sunday, I am wiped out. Why? Because I feel like every bit of strength and encouragement has been drawn out of me. But that's why I come full every Sunday, because I come to give and come to bring to the house. I love the encouragement. Look at this scripture, Acts 1 verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a Witness for me. That's a key thought there. The Holy Spirit comes 
for you to be a witness. The Holy Spirit didn't come for Christian entertainment. The Holy Spirit came to equip us, you and I, to be a soul winner. To go out and be a witness to build His church here on this earth. It's a biblical model that we have services where people can come. And God has called us to be a witness, to be a bringer, to be a soul winner for Christ. Number two, why? Because we are called to continue the work of Christ. Jesus began a work here on this earth, but he did not fulfill it. He left you and I here to complete it, to continue the mission that he had started. Look at John 17, 18. It says, in the same way that you gave me a mission, this is Jesus speaking to his father. He said, in the same way you gave me a mission to the world, now I'm giving them a mission in the world. I love how Paul says it in Acts 20, 24. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Come on, God has assigned you a job. You, you got to work right there. Now you may say, well, that's Paul speaking. Paul's no different to us. We're all ministers of the gospel. Oh, don't get me wrong. We know Paul was used of God in a mighty way. But Paul's not just saying, this is just my calling. This is for you too. He says, I've got to do the work of what? Telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. My calling is to continue his work so that others would know Jesus. Are you living that verse? Come on, how's that verse played out in your life? Have you been a witness this week? Have you been telling other people about the good news, about the wonderful grace? Have you been creating a thirst in them this week or have you been repulsing them? Have they, have they been repelled from the gospel because of your hypocrisy? And Come on now. Number three, why? Because heaven and hell are realities. It's not a fiction. It's not fictional. They're factual. Heaven and hell are real. And that's not going to change. I said, that's not going to change. So what does that mean? The lost has to be our focus. I'm going to make a statement right now. Some of you may not like this, but that's okay. We're going to do everything we can short of sinning to reach people. (laughs) We're going to do everything we can short of sinning to reach people. You may say, well, I'm worried about that. Well, as long as we're not sinning, we're going to be okay. Amen. But we're going to touch people and we're going to reach people. The reason we have a vision involves you, but it's really for them that are still not saved yet. It's for the lost. Because we've got to be reaching people. In Luke chapter 15, haven't got time, but Jesus gives three stories. The lost, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. Okay, Three things were lost. Three things of great value were lost. The common denominator in every one of them, lost. They were lost. Have you ever lost something valuable? Come on, have you really, I mean, something valuable? I mean, I lost a kid once. Don't look at me crazy. You've got six of them. It's hard to keep up. 
I told this story before, but we were in New York and I lost Hannah in the middle of Times Square around that area. And the next thing I know, Hannah is gone and my phone rings and it's some foreign person trying to speak in the best English they can, telling me that they have my daughter and Hannah comes on and says, Dad, they have me. And then the phone hangs up. Tell me how great that is. Tell me, t- tell me that's great. Thank God someone's got my kid. That's great. I feel comfort. Thank God it wasn't someone to harm my child. It was someone who was trying to help me. But I was so frantic. I didn't care about, we were in a restaurant about ready to order. When we realized she was, I thought she was in the restroom with some of the other team that was with us. And we were getting ready to order. Can I tell you, I didn't care about food. In fact, I lost my appetite. Because when something important to me was lost, I don't, well, what are we going to do tomorrow, Pastor Phil? I'm not talking about that right now because I'm consumed with something that's lost. Come on, that's where our thought and focus needs to be. Because the Bible says that no rest was complete until what? That which was lost was restored. And that which was lost was found. And everything was done to move obstacles, to sweep, to prepare. Even the saved, the 99 were left to go after the one that was lost. You see, if life doesn't start, people are still lost and dying. And when I look at church, here's the question I ask when I look at church. Are you ready? Are people being saved? I mean, are people being saved weekly in church? Because if people ain't being saved, then we're doing something wrong. Because people ain't knowing God. And we've got to get people in the house. We've got to bring people to the house. We've got to invite people to the house. We've got to bribe people into the house. We need to kidnap people and get them in the house. Just whatever we can do. Come on, get them here. Only plan. Just be nice with that. Don't sin, remember. But what's our main mission? Our main mission is the lost. The lost. We've got to go after them. Go after them. So how do we do that? How do we practically create the atmosphere for people to know God? Here it is, through our weekend services, or what we like to call here experiences. We want to create a life-giving culture. Here's the culture that we want to create. Are you ready? That's authentic. We want it to be real. There's so much fake out there. People can smell fake. Did you know that? People can, people can smell fake. They know fake. They can be fooled by fake. Come on, some of you ladies love those fake purses. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> May look good on the inside, outside, but man, look on the inside. That's when you know it's a fake. That's how you know it's a fake. We want to be real and transparent. I love this statement. People may admire your strengths, but they will identify with your weaknesses. And when we paint a picture that Christians are so perfect, they think I can never be. When they realize we have problems just like them, but we know where to take our problems to God and he's the healer and the deliverer. Come on, we've got to be authentic. That's what we're doing. We're not fooling people into the kingdom of God. We are leading people through the example of our lives. Here's what else. Are you ready? We're going to be relevant. We're creating a life-giving culture that's relevant. I've realized my job as a pastor is to lead people through seasons in their life. In fact, maybe you could say that what we do is we're a tour guide. We're called to take you on the journey of life to help make you a better you. I love this scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, 22. Paul says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. What Paul is saying here is this, I want to be relatable to those people. He didn't say, I want to be like them. 
And a lot of people misquote that scripture saying, I've got to go out and do the sin and be the sin because that's what Paul says, I've got to be on their level. No, I'm not on their level to reach them. I come down to their level. Come on, and I'm not better than them. Let me change that. I'm not better than them, but I don't have to become a sinner to reach those who are sinning. Because if I'm in sin, how can I bring them out of sin and help them out of sin? Paul is saying, I can relate to them. I know what you're going through. I've been there. I know someone who's been there. He knows what it is to be what? Relevant. Relevant to those around. Because one thing I've realized in life is this. Most people don't have a problem with God. They have a problem with how we've packaged God. And how we're presenting God. Come on, we want to create a life-giving atmosphere that's enjoyable. We've endured the last church service. We've been to many boring services. I've been there. Come on, don't look at me. We're not talking about this church. You can say amen. You've been to many boring services and you're like, man, when are we going to get out of here? We want to create enjoyable services that the whole family will enjoy coming to church. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God and we're going to be happy serving God. We want to make it enjoyable. That's why with our youth and our kids, we want to make it enjoyable. We want our kids to come. We know as parents, you'll maybe suffer a bad message as long as you know your kids are happy. But start when your kids are miserable and they don't like it. You don't want to be here. Come on, next. And we want services that are enjoyable. Psalms 122 verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to church. In case you missed that, he said, I was glad when they said, let me go to church. Come on, you need to be glad in the house. Too many of you are sad, but that's because you're not in the house. Come on. We want to create an atmosphere that's welcoming. A culture that's welcoming people. That accepts people right where they are. Come on, blood and mess, you're welcome in this house. Because we're going to be an ER for the hurting and for the bloody. We're not a country club. If you want to be a country club, find another church. We're not a country club. We want people to come how they are. There's no dress code of how you need to come in here. We want people to come in here and feel God and know God. Why? Because when God changes what's on the inside, the outside will take care of itself. But if we try and change the outside, we're trying to do the work of God in the lives of people. We want to welcome people into the environment of God, look at this, Mark 2, 15, 17. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors, sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples for there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders saw him eating with the tax collectors and the sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners to repentance. Who he came for was very clear there. He said, I've come for the sick and not the well. But here's the great thing about God. Are you ready? Win-win situation. The well benefit, but the sick are transformed. Come on now. Come on, the well, you're going to benefit if you're well, but the sick is going to be transformed and healed. Jesus accepted everyone. He loved the person, but yet he did not embrace their sin. He did not accept their sin. So many times we hear, oh, you got to love everyone. Yes, you got to love everyone and God loves everyone. But that does not condone the sin in our lives. But God made the solution for that by giving his son to die. 
But you know what I've realized is this, we can't deal with the sin if we don't have the person. If people aren't here to hear the message, they can't be saved. If we're thrown out a lifeline, no one's drowning. All we're doing is like, what's that thing? That tubing down the river. That's all we're doing, tubing. We're just having a fun time because we're going, woohoo! Come on, it's not for you to grab a hold and be drugged behind the boat and smiling. It's a lifeline. You are drowning. You are dying. And you need to be saved. Come on, we're going to create a life-giving culture that's powerful. Come on, say with me, powerful. Powerful. We must have services that usher in the presence of God because it's the presence of God that makes every difference. The power of God is the power that we must have. The world thinks, "Eh, eh, eh, I've got the power. It don't have the power. God is the power. Mark 6.56 says, Whenever he enters into a village, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him, that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. That's power. That's power. That when he walked through them, the sick just touched him and they were made well. Come on, the same Jesus that we read about right there in Mark is the same Jesus that's walking aisle to aisle, seat to seat today. And if you can just reach out and touch him, his power is able to touch your life. The lost were attracted to Jesus. You see, we think, oh, people aren't going to like church. I'm telling you, do church right and the lost are going to be drawn to it because they need life. They've got to have life. And if we have life in the house, people are going to be drawn to it. They weren't attracted to weird. So many people today make power weird. They make the Holy Spirit Weird, as you all say. It's weird. It's weird. That's how I say it. I'm telling you right now, you don't have to be weird to be powerful. Come on now. Come on, come on, come on. Come on right now. The Holy Spirit doesn't draw attention to us. The Holy Spirit draws attention to God. And God said, if I be lifted up, come on, I will draw all men unto me. Come on, we want to be a church. Come on. We want to create a church and have it an experience that people are going to talk about. We want people to talk about it all over social media. Wow, I don't know what happened. I went to this place. And how are we going to do that? Come on, we're going to have great praise and worship. We're going to have great creative and lights and graphics. We're going to have great messages. Help pastor Jesus. We're going to have great student life. We're going to have a great welcome. We're going to have great excellence. Why? Because we believe in excellence, not extravagance. Say with me, life starts. Life starts. I've got four minutes to finish this message. Then love happens. Love happens. How does love happen as people find freedom in Christ? We want love to happen in this house, and I'm glad it does. I'm glad that love is happening in this house. I'm glad that you have felt love. Look at this scripture, Exodus 6.6. It says, therefore say to the people of Israel, God says, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt, and I will redeem you with a powerful arm and a great act of judgment. Three things we see there. God says, I will free you from oppression. I will rescue you from slavery and I will redeem you. I will deliver you. 
Come on, what is salvation? That's the redeeming portion. That's where God buys us back and takes us back. He paid the price. He redeemed you and he allowed freedom to take place in your life. But you see, what he showed the children of Israel was this. I'm not just bringing you out of Egypt. There's another work that I need to do, and that is this. I need to get Egypt out of you. Because they had been in slavery so long. Many of them had been born into slavery. So all they knew was that way of life. You see, God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to teach you there's a new life that you can have that is beyond what you have right now. Come on, right now. Jesus wants us. Why? To be broken free from our bondages and to know how to act. Come on, God has a freedom for your life. And that happens as we walk it out and live God, discover His love. And we talked about this last week. This was the lowest thing in our bucket with holes in. And this is where we felt we really had to plug up. So what do we do? Here's what we do. You ready? We create a small group environment where people can experience community, settle their yesterdays and take their next step in Christ and in freedom that they need. I'm loving the small groups. Uh, I'm telling you right now, I led the group on Thursday, but I needed the group Thursday morning. I I was kind of wrecked on the way to group going in Thursday morning. Just tough things going on. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And I walked in there with a bold face and, man, I needed, dupe, I needed you on Thursday. Where's the rest of the guys? Come on, Renee, I needed you on Thursday. Come on, Lonnie, I needed you on Thursday. Craig, I needed you Thursday. We need each other. Come on now. We need each other. And I'm telling you, if you are not loving a group, it's because you ain't in one. Because I haven't heard one people say, I'm just not enjoying that. I'm hearing testimony after testimony after testimony of people say, man, I'm loving it. So why do we do it? Why are we doing groups? Here it is, because it's biblical. Do I need to say any more? Acts 2, 46. So they continue daily with one accord. Come on, together with purpose, anything becomes possible. They continued with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house or eating pancakes, eggs, waffles and French toast if you're IHOP on Thursday morning with us. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. If you would read the book of Acts, what do you see? God began to add to that. But then God began to multiply that. So why do we do it? Because people need to be known. It's a need that every one of us has, whether we will admit it or not. We want to be known by someone. And one of the goals of group is this. Not that you would know everyone, but the goal is that you will be known by someone. That you will begin to have a relationship. That you'll begin to have a friendship. That it will build in your life. Why? Because as church gets larger, we've got to get smaller at the same time. And we're growing. I want you to tell you this. We're growing. And we're not just going to grow. We're going to grow exponentially. That's the word that God has given us. And we're going to see that. So why, why, Pastor? Why else? Here's number three. Because people need healing. And people need a place to be able to be open and share their hearts and be real. And be able to say what's on their hearts. That's why I love this scripture, James 5 verse 6. And it says, confess your sins to one another and pray. 
I'm not your saviour, you're not my saviour. Come on, let me say that again. I'm not your saviour and you're not my saviour. But we all have the same struggles and we can help each other and we can look at each other and say, what, you too? You've had a tough week? What, you? You're going through that too? Yes, me too. And then what can we do? We can come together and pray. And what happens when we pray for one another? The Bible says healing takes place. Healing begins to happen. Wow. Wow. Why number four? Because people need to grow. We need to grow. We don't just need to grow. We need to grow healthy. We need to grow healthily in God. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpeneth iron, so a person sharpens another. We need each other to grow. We need encouragement. We need strength. We need community. Life change happens in relationships. So how do we do this? Through small groups. What really are small groups? Here they are. They're a place where you can be connected, protected, and grow. It's where you connect, protect, and grow. That's what we're trying to do. Get you connected, protected, so you can grow. We do our groups this way. We're free market is what we call it. We don't have Bible studies. We do have Bible studies, but every group is not a Bible study. It's not just talking about what pastor preached on a Sunday. Because the last time I checked, we're getting fed on a Sunday. We're getting the word on Sunday. What we need is just that relationship to live out that word throughout the rest of the week. To have that encouragement. So what free market means is we have groups of all different kinds. From faith and fitness to biblical budgeting and financing. How to have a, an effective marriage all the way to what? Eating breakfast at IHOP. We've got a group for you. Come on, the saints on Sunday, man, that's our intercessory prayer group. If you're in prayer, you need to be in that group because we've got to do a whole lot of praying for those saints, amen. (laughs) We've got a group meeting at 12 o'clock today watching the saints game. Seriously, we've got a group for the saints. And what we do is we meet weekly in three semesters. And the reason why we do it in semesters is so we have an entrance and an exit. We don't want people to sign up for the rest of their lives and feel trapped. But we have semesters that are kind of governed on the school system. So we know when to be in and when not to be in and to give breaks. But we want you to become a part of a family to have accountability. And if you're interested in leading a group, we're going to have training for that next week at 11 o'clock. So life, love, purpose. Say with me purpose. Purpose, purpose. Purpose revealed. Purpose is twofold. Number one, that you would discover your purpose. Secondly, that you would use it to make a difference. Look at this statement. I put it on the mass email and on social media, I believe. If the devil cannot keep you out of heaven, then he would at least like you to be ineffective in the meantime. You're not a challenge or a target to Satan just because you're sitting in church today. You're a target and a challenge to Satan when you begin to live the Christian life. When you begin to say, hold on a second, I have a ministry and a mission here on this earth, and that's to touch and to reach other people. Do you get that? Not just being saved is the threat. It's those who are a soul winner that's the threat. And when God saw you, let me back up. When God created you, he first looked and he saw a need in the world. He saw a hole. He saw a vacancy. And he created you to fill that. That's what you've got to see today. God didn't make you and say, oh my goodness, where can I put them? What can I do with them? 
When God made you, he made you with a purpose. So what do we do? We create an easy process for people to discover their purpose. And then they can serve on a dream team. We want to help you find your God-given purpose. To lead your life back on the pathway that God has for your life. Less than 12% of the body of Christ know their God-given purpose. That's a major problem. A major problem. So why do we do this? Because it's biblical. Man, aren't you glad that every one of our reasons are biblical? I want to be in a church that's not fluff and stuff. I want to be on a church that's built on the Word of God. It's biblical. Look at this, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors and teachers. That's the fivefold ministry, as we call them. But what is our responsibility for the equipping of the saints? You're the saints. So what is the ministry of the leaders in the church to equip you? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry for the edifying to build up the body of Christ. New Living Translation says this, your responsibility is to equip God's people. So God's saying, my responsibility as a pastor is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. You see, so often we get church backwards. We say, man, if you could just come to church, then the pastor's going to minister to you. You see, we get it backwards because here's how church really should be. Are you ready? The pastor leads, but it's the people who minister. We are leading you, instructing you, giving you the word that you need. But if you would note, when you go out of the church above the door, it says, now it's my time. What does that mean? It's my time now to take what I have been taught and led in today and to minister it and to be the ministers of God. You see, ministry is not just the pulpit. That's the leadership that we have in this house. And our job behind this pulpit is to raise you up to be the ministers that God has called you to be? What is that? To be the best parents that you can be. To be the best students that you can be. To be the best workers that you can be. To be the best people that you can be. Because here's what you've got to realize. You ready? Your life is your ministry. That's your mission field. That's your mission field. And the people around you are your congregation. We can look around here and we see two services full on a Sunday. We're running about 350, 400 on a week, weekend. So our congregation that we're reaching every week, probably about five, five and a half hundred people with all our services, groups, everything, maybe up to about seven, 700 people we're reaching. Some of you have 1,200 followers on social media. Do you realize that your congregation is twice as big as this church? Right now. And that's just one of your social media. You've got like two and a half thousand on the other. Think about that. Think about the congregation that you have around you. God's called you to be a minister. A minister. And the culture that we're trying to build here is this. We're not glorifying just the pulpit. What we're saying is this. The pulpit is important. I think they said there's 168 hours a week. From the pulpit, you're maybe being preached to one of those hours. So there's 167 hours a week that you have to do the ministry that God has called you to do. Come on, the pulpit's not the focus of our ministry. It's the world around us. 
It's those who are lost that needs to be. Come on, that's the biblical model. So why number two? Because people need to be needed. They need to be needed. People come to something because they're invited, but they stay because they are known and needed. That's the truth. They come because they're invited, but they stay because they feel known. And wow, I'm needed there. Why number three? Because people need a purpose. People need that reason to live. They need that. Many people, when they retire, they just deteriorate so much because they lose that purpose for their life. Come on, we don't want you to retire. We want you to refire. There's still a purpose for you to do. There's still great things for you to do. Number four, why? Because people need to live out their purpose. That's so important. You are gifted for a purpose. Look at this statement. Lack is not because you don't have, but lack is because you're not using. It's not because you don't have it. God's already given it to you, but some of you have dug a hole and buried it. You've got everything that you need to live the life that God has called you to live. you just got to step out and start using that thing. And we want to help you to discover that. How? 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 Here it is. Are you ready? Growth track. Growth track. That's the tool that God uses. Our encounter growth track. Here's what we ask. Give us four weeks of your life. Just four Sundays at 11 o'clock. You can jump in at any time because we made it like that. Week one will always be on week one of that month. Week two, three, four. If there's a fifth week, we do small group training that week. But you can jump in. So if you jump in and it's week four, you can jump in and start. And then you can begin week one in two weeks. If you've missed week three, guess what? Wait till the third week of every month and come back in and get it. And that's the one you don't want to miss. But here's what we want. Here's our goal. You ready? Here's why we're doing that. Because we want you to become a member. We want you to be connected in this. We want you to be able to say, this is my church home. This is where I belong. I want to put my roots down in this. That's what we want. Come on, we don't want people who are flitting around everywhere. You've got to be planted because the Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish and grow. And we want you to be planted. We want you to discover the vision of this church so you can know who we are and what we are. And guess what? We're going to help you discover who you are and help develop what God has called you to be. And we're not ashamed of this. And we're going to say, now we want you to help us serve in the church. And we want you to be a part of a dream team. Why dream teams, Pastor? Because you can live your dream serving church. And that's what we want, people to live their dream. We want people to worship and serve. You can do that every Sunday, you know that? Some of you could sign up for Kids Club every Sunday at 9 o'clock and be in there at 9 o'clock and you can still get Jesus at 11. Or maybe you need Jesus at 9 so you can go in there at 11. Whichever one works for you, that's fine. That's fine, that's fine. But there's no excuse. We've got two services and probably going to be having three in the near distant future as we continue to grow. And I know there's plenty of information today and I need to be quiet. I'm 10 minutes over my time. I apologize. But let me say this one more time. Are you ready? Here it is. Life starts through knowing Jesus. Knowing God. How do we do that? Sunday experiences. Love happens. How? As people begin to walk in freedom. How do we do that? Small groups. Getting people connected. Purpose is revealed two ways. How as people discover their purpose? How do they do that? Through growth track. 
I'm loving it. Look at Jim right now, front second row right there. Jim's got his growth track book out. He teaches. He's taking notes from this message. So you're going to hear some of this notes in your message. Isn't that right? He's adding to it. He's adding to it. Come on, he's getting revelation. And what? You can make a difference. By what? Serving a team. That's our vision right there. We want people to know God, to walk in freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. How do we do that? Sunday services, small groups, growth track, and dream team. That's who we are. That's what we do, why we do it, and how we do it. That's our vision. Welcome to the family. Welcome home. Bow your heads all over this place. Hallelujah.